Welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungrew. On Monday the 19th of July 2021, we announced the winners of the third annual Cambridge Social Innovation Prize, awarded by Trinity Hall and the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. The prize is given to social entrepreneurs who have demonstrated social impact through their ventures and who are bubbling over with ambitious plans for the future. Each winner receives a £10,000 cash prize to be used for their personal and professional development. They are also mentored by our Cambridge Social Ventures team. Winner Sashi Nathan is a solicitor and one of the directors of Commons Legal, a social enterprise criminal law firm in London. Commons is like any other law firm, but it's got a, a few more extra features that make it very different. We constituted as a community interest company, which means we're a not-for-profit. And what that means is that we, whilst we still have to trade legal services, either through our legal aid contract or through private clients, uh, it means that there's no there's no equity payout. So people receive a salary and that's agreed and benchmarked to fair pay scale rates. And the fact that, that any profit that we make is reinvested into our social justice outcomes, projects, means that we can focus on that rather than focusing on equity partner profits um, like other law firms. So we're, we're part of this new ecosystem of kind of ethos-driven law firms. It's how do you really bake in principles of, of why people want to become lawyers into how they deliver legal services and into legal practice. And that's why we came up with this slightly novel model of, of a community interest company law firm. You say that's why you came up with it, but can you expand a bit more on the motivation to embed social justice into a profession which inherently should have social justice at the heart of it? That, oh, that's a good question. Um, if you look at um, the legal profession and lawyers have been around for a very long time, for centuries, if you look at London, for example, or the UK, and you look at the two spectrums opposite spectrums of legal practice you've got law centers who are charities and who deliver legal services for people most in need and then if you go to the magic circle kind of city law firms they occupy kind of vast expensive practices uh, based in uh, often international and i think what those what those two pillars of legal practice kind of display is that the law and the practice of the law, certainly as it's developed in the English and Welsh jurisdiction, has prioritised property rights more than anything. If you think about the city of London, you think about commercial practice, it's really about all the huge machinations of, of what property is, whether it's intellectual, whether it's physical. It's not really, and the development of the law hasn't really been focused on social justice, which is why... You get really experienced, fantastic lawyers at law centres getting paid, you know, quite humble salaries. And you get people going in as trainees to city law firms on six figures, which is just extraordinary. And never, and you, you wouldn't expect that uh, if, if the law was a profession that was really wholeheartedly committed to, uh, to social justice. So that's why I think we think there needs to be we're not alone in this. There are lots, there are lots of different legal practices um, sparking up which are putting social justice or specific aspects of social justice out there in, in the heart of their model. And we've chosen to concentrate on the criminal justice system because of the background of the founders, myself and my colleagues, Rona and Ben. 
And because, of course, especially in the last few years, there's been a lot more focus of the problems of the criminal justice system and um, how when someone's criminalised, um, the state has a lot of power to dictate what happens to them. It's one thing to embed social justice within, say, the Articles of Association of your, your social enterprise, your not-for-profit. It's another to actually affect that kind of change within the practice of law. So you're taking that first step, yes, but how do you use your platform, your organisation to affect change further afield? So it's, so it's not just centralised in what you're doing, but it, the, the impact ripples along. Sure. So, so there's, there's two main areas apart from the legal services that we provide for, for clients uh, which I would say is, is sort of one arm. Uh, and like you say, that sort of in, impacts the people that we provide the services to. On a, on a wider level, um, we have two other kind of main focuses. The first is our crisis navigation service, which is a theoretical model called holistic defense, which developed in the Bronx, in the United States, and in other areas of the US. And the idea um, behind holistic defense, it's not particularly complicated, is that often people and become involved in the criminal justice system for a range of issues that have gone unaddressed and society isn't necessarily tackling homelessness. It could be drug addiction. It could be domestic abuse. It could be a, it could be a number of things. And the idea of holistic defence is rather than treating the law and, a, and, a, and the allegation of a criminal offence in, in a siloed way, we work, so we have an in-house social worker who works with the, with, with the defendant or the accused person uh, to try and address some of those problems. So it, it, it's something that's been kicking around um, for quite a while. Uh, it's not really been rolled out massively in, in the UK. It's gaining momentum in different jurisdictions within the US, especially in New York. Uh, in the UK, the best example is Just for Kids Law, who are focused on children or young people, we think that the, the concept could be implemented much wider. And if you look at just some basic statistics, the number of um, the proportion of people in prison with unaddressed mental health issues in and of itself should lead us to question whether the system really works at all. So crisis navigation is one big arm of what we do, which we think can get even can have a big impact on, on, on how we restructure the criminal justice system. And it's basically lawyers working alongside social workers to help vulnerable people uh, and, and all people. And then the, the, the sort of the second aspect beyond legal services and, and, and beyond um, crisis navigation is our project work. And our project work is uh, focused on areas where, especially where there aren't necessarily groups or organisations or scrutiny of problems in the system. Uh, in the criminal justice system. So a good example of that would be the nationality requirement, uh, which was implemented for a period uh, after Theresa May government brought in the requirement that defendants in criminal proceedings would have to state their nationality alongside their name, date and date of birth and address. Um, nationality is not a question of fact. Uh, it's open to interpretation. And our research, our primary research, led us to, um, to understand that the nationality question was actually racialising criminal courtrooms uh, and was not having the effect of providing or, or allowing the Majesty's Court Service to collect data on people's nationality. I appreciate it may sound like a daft question, 
But can you can you explain how stating your nationality could racialize a courtroom, could racialize a sentence? Sure. So the examples that we that we had is that well, firstly, the nationality requirement was part of the hostile environment, Theresa May innovation. And what we found, um, and I had I have examples of this with my own clients, as well as um, when we surveyed practitioners, barristers and solicitors, um, as well as magistrates and district judges, when people were asked their nationality, they didn't understand what the question was behind the question. So most of us are probably used to filling in ethnic monitoring forms. And we're not used to having to, having to um, and, and ethnic monitoring forms within themselves are quite complicated we're not used to stating what our nationality is so when someone was being asked in open court the question well what's your nationality they would say black british or they would say i don't know indian irish or you know they, they wouldn't they weren't necessarily sure what the court was getting at and obviously the question of nationality can be quite complicated because depending on you know where your parents are from where you were born your immigration status there may not be a very easy answer to that and and the perception that derived from that sort of slight gap in information and knowledge was, well, why am I being asked this? What, 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 am I going to get treated differently if I'm Polish? Uh, what, what, what's the relevance to that, to a fair trial? And the perceptions of fair trial were being impugned by a question that was just completely unnecessary. It had nothing to do with, with most of the cases. It may have had a bearing, someone's nationality may have a bearing on issues of bail, but it certainly wasn't something that needed to be asked of every single defendant proceedings in every single case. Um, so eventually, having sort of revealed how the policy was being implemented, the Criminal Procedure Rules Committee uh, changed criteria in which the question was asked as a result of a report. And a lot of that report was based on law students. We had a, hundreds of law students going to sit in magistrates' courts and crown courts around the country and, and tell us what they were witnessing in terms of how people were reacting to being asked questions about their nationality. How did Commons Legal come into being? So Commons came into being when my colleagues, Rona and Ben and I, sat down and discussed the problems around how our legal practices at the time in, in a private law firm were potentially not allowing us to do as much social justice work as we, as we wanted. In a private law firm, the imperative is profit. Profit means private clients paying better rates. That means that doing lower paid work and a lot of legal aid criminal defence work is extremely poorly paid to, an, to the point where you're often making losses on cases, legal aid work. So it's not, people have a perception perhaps outside the legal industry that the legal industry is absolutely well remunerated. It's, it, it depends on which sector you're in and depends what your practice is. But um, a lot of law firms who don't just do criminal law, who do other areas of law, have given up on doing criminal law because um, they don't want to make a loss on cases, which no, no business uh, would want to do. So the three of us sat down and we thought about, well, we want to work more with third sector organisations around problems in the system. Um, we want to do legal aid work. We also want to do intellectually stimulating work and we want to be able to provide you know, a boutique legal service to private paying clients. And that's how we came up with the model. So we have a fair amount of transparency as required under the CIC. We don't think being a legal charity necessarily fits with our perspective. We want to be a social enterprise. We enjoy the entrepreneurial kind of discipline that goes along with our legal practice. So that's why 
we set up the way we did. We also spoke to a number of organisations in the field who had, who had a few more years' experience to see what they would suggest. So the CIC at the moment is where we started. I'm not necessarily sure it would be where we end. So yeah, that's how we got there. So you are one of three Cambridge Social Innovation Prize winners 2021. Congratulations. What was it like winning the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize? Uh, it was it was it was a surprise actually, uh, but most of all. But I mean, you know, the University of Cambridge as an academic institution is is you know basically one of the best in the world, and the work that we do is really hard. It's emotionally as well as intellectually uh, draining, perhaps also as well as stimulating. So having an objective party at the University of Cambridge that has no no real skin in the game in terms of what we what we do, sort of recognizing it and providing us with a platform to develop and to continue to grow uh, in, in whatever way that means. It makes the long hours and the uh, sort of challenges of running a business kind of worthwhile. I think being recognised is obviously is really assuring, especially given the kind of gravitas of the institution and it makes us think we're going in the right direction. So it's a £10,000 prize. Each winner receives £10,000. And the money is for developing leadership, giving yourselves opportunities to grow and further experience. How do you hope to use that money for yourself and Commons Legal? So one of the things I think we want to crack is the development of the crisis navigation service. Legal services that we're running are working in the sense that there is a, an ecosystem in terms of how the lawyers earn enough money to pay our overheads, to pay staff at a rate where we can still attract um, good, good candidates to the firm to do legal practice. But the crisis navigation and the scale and how we, how we scale up crisis navigation is going to be, I think, what we want to use this fund to think about and to try and implement. The main issue, I suppose, is we're a boutique law firm. So how do we get more people Understanding that crisis navigation and holistic defence is essentially the definition of building back better. The criminal justice system, um, the government may want to spend more money on policing, pass new laws to hire sentences, build more prisons. That's, that's not building back better. That's, that's just pouring fuel on the fire. Um, we, we would like to use this fund and, and connections it builds and potentially the people that start to read a bit more about our work, to get them on board to how we improve the system through through things like holistic defence. And finally, what's next then for Commons Legal? The next thing for Commons Legal is to develop holistic defence, build on the platform that we've created over the last four years, present holistic defence and crisis navigation, structural innovation and, and something that can help the problems of the criminal justice system. That was Sashi Nathan, one of the directors of Commons Legal and a winner of the third annual Cambridge Social Innovation Prize awarded by Trinity Hall and the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. You can find out more about the work we do by following us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter and YouTube.